This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. Hey, it's Wednesday night. The Finsider podcast is back. This is Kevin coming to you with the show. Uh, joining me tonight is, of course, my producer, James. How are you tonight? I'm good, Kevin. And, of you? course, I'm doing well, thank you. And, of course, we have Duke with us, which I don't know where his trumpets are. There they are. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. And as we discussed last week, only James and I call you Chris. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I, am, I am happy to say that uh, Brian Galliford from Buffalo Rumblings is supposed to be joining us at the uh, bottom of the hour. So we'll be able to talk some Buffalo Bills stuff with him. Should be a good show. Um, if you guys want to join the show, of course, you can always give us a call at 347-326-9461. We also have the live thread up on the Finsider. So if you aren't listening, if you listen through Blog Talk Radio or something – and you want to join in the live thread, go over to thefinsider.com. And like Ryan Tannehill said at the beginning of the show, that's Finsider with a PH. And uh, you can join in the live thread there. Um, thinking of the things, I, I actually, I told James before the show that uh, I actually made a list of things to talk about tonight. I'm organized. It's amazing. But uh, I know one of the things that, Chris, you're looking forward to talking about, and we'll get to it uh, probably a little bit later in the show, is the thread that we have up on the site right now talking about our superstitions. So uh, I know you've got some things you wanted to bring up, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, wanted to bring up Reggie Bush, his benching last week. Uh, if you guys are not tracking this, he fumbled in the first quarter and ended up getting benched for the next six possessions, basically the rest of the first half. Um, and there's discussion about whether it was a good decision, whether it was bad coaching, should the team have taken one of its best players off the field, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Reggie came out. He was on the Paul and Young Ron show um, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. And uh, he had he said that basically he's never been benched for fumbling before, but he understood the coach's decision, and it's on him that he knows he has to fix things, and he knows it's something he can fix. 
So that that's the facts behind it. But what are your guys' take on Reggie Bush getting benched? I think he had to send a message. I mean, the, the, the team's got to play better. Guys can't make mistakes because, I mean, I have no problem with it. Bush took it like a man. So, I mean, I think I think it worked. I think it, it sent the message. Yeah. Chris, you yeah, have a thought? I, I, yeah, I, would say I agree with what James said. I don't think it's a uh, – you know, it's one of those deals. What if that had been um, Daniel Thomas or what if that had been Marlon Moore – and you take those guys out, but then somebody like Bush or somebody, you know, Harline does something like that, and you don't, you don't show them the same thing. I think it, right? In a, in a way, it showed that Philbin says, you know what, this is a team effort, and even though you might be a star and an important part of the team, you know, you're not above getting disciplined for making mistakes. Yeah. And uh, so I think it it worked out in that way. It goes that showed that. And it goes exactly in the opposite of former Dolphins coach and obviously where he had his major success was in Dallas, Jimmy Johnson, who absolutely 100% admitted that star players have preferential treatment. And if if that were Emmitt Smith, he wouldn't have gotten benched. But uh, I think think you're right. I think it was um, a statement that had to be made that – we aren't going to live with mental mistakes. And Philbin said it in his press conference this week that a fumble is a mental mistake. Like an interception, things happen, you read it wrong, or a ball gets tipped, or a guy makes a great play, got it. But a fumble, that running back's whole job is to protect that ball. And if he lapses in judgment and he does something he shouldn't do – I can understand where uh, Philbin's coming from on that. And I think making a statement is really important, especially for a rookie coach, but for any coach, because otherwise you end up having the New York Jets. And obviously they are absolutely imploding right now. I mean, they – again, if you guys aren't tracking what's going on, basically a bunch of – Anonymous players came out again, just like they had last year. They, the Jets have the most anonymous players I've ever heard of in my life. But uh, they came out again this year. Now they're saying um, a starting defensive player came out and said that Tebow is terrible. Um, a bunch of other players came out and said other things about Tebow. And most of them, uh, I think one offensive lineman put his name on it. But everybody else said it in the anonymous player mode. And I mean, it was so blatantly bad that Rex Ryan actually had to address it and he called it cowardly. And it really is. I mean, how do you go out and trash a a specific player on your own team and not put your name on it? Because now Tebow, he, he did the right thing. Well, I didn't read it. I heard about it. And all I'm trying to do is work as hard as I can and be the best teammate I can and build the relationships here with the team and all that kind of stuff. But you know in his head he's going, okay, who said it? I mean, he's human. He He's sitting up there going, who said this about me? So, I mean, the the Jets are a mess. And then, when you know, you sit there on the sideline and you think, I have a playoff victory under my belt. I led a team to the playoffs last year. 
and yeah. you're watching Mark Sanchez just absolutely just, I mean, just defecate all over the field. I mean, he's playing quarterback about as badly as a quarterback can play. I read a PSF article today that just pretty much highlighted everything about just how bad he was over his entire career to the, to the point that there are rookie quarterbacks in this league who are playing better than this guy who's a veteran. And, so, you know, it, and you're sitting there in your T-bone and you're thinking, surely I, you know, I can't be as bad as this guy. And I started thinking about what we were talking about last week about, you know, you said the Stephen A. Smith, you know, uh, had an aneurysm talking with Bill Romanowski <laughs> and the 47% or whatever. I was just looking. Mark Sanchez is at 52%. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like, it's like, I mean, it's one thing you're saying, yeah, we're dropping off, you know, Drew Brees and his 70% or Chad Pennington's, you know, uh, you know, whatever his was, is really good. And then throwing out 47%. I looked it up today and did some math. The difference between Tim Tebow and his 47% and Mark Sanchez's 52%, based on the number of passes Mark Sanchez has thrown, is 18, 18 – Mark Sanchez has only 18 more incomplete, uh, more completions than what Tebow would have had with that same percentage. 18 yeah. completions. We're not talking about a handful. That's like – I mean, that's like, you know, a first half for some quarterbacks throwing that many incompletions. I, I mean, it's just – I don't know. But, and what's really funny is I was on uh, GGN today reading some, and this one Jets fan had a really good comment about, it was that the lineman, Matt Slauson, whatever his name is, he's the one that actually put his name to the comment. And he actually brought up some comments from last year where he said, oh, you know, you can't talk about, you know, you guys in the media can talk about teammates, but talk about our team, but we're going to stick together and talk about this stuff. So basically it made him look like a, a, a two-sided, you know, kind of person. It was kind of funny. And, I think the, their fans are—they've about had it with just about that whole everybody in that organization. Yeah, it's just—it's—it's it's ridiculous. It's—I uh, know this is a Dolphins blog, and maybe we don't want to spend a whole bunch of time talking about the Jets, but I mean, part of it is we get a kick out of watching the Jets implode, and part of it is they're the AFC East, so. Even even though we don't play them again this year, them imploding is always a good thing. It helps us make sure we're not in the basement of the of the division, at least. Yeah, and the <laughs> fact that we were the team that pretty much started the, I mean, they were on you know rocky ground anyway, but you know they ran their mouths, and then the Dolphins go up there and pretty much just beat the snot out of them in every way possible, in every. Every aspect of the game, it wasn't like, you know, one player went off. It was yeah. our special teams destroyed their special teams. Our defense destroyed their offense. Our offense beat up on their defense. And we started this downward spiral. So it's kind of like, yeah, the Dolphins went out and had a bad game this week. We lost two in a row, and our playoff chances are taking a major hit. But you know what? At least we're not them, and we're the ones that caused you to be in that ha-ha-ha kind of deal. So I like it. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's always Is that a good our new thing. team motto? At least we're not the Jets. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we we could be the Jets, but um, looking at uh, looking at the stuff going on around the league, other than the Jets imploding and giving us all entertainment, 
obviously one of the things going on right now is Pro Bowl Pro Bowl Pro Bowl. Hey, I got it that time. Pro Bowl voting. And uh that was way too long to try to just say Pro Bowl. <laughs> and if you guys haven't yet or if you have and you want to pretend like you're in Chicago, vote early, vote often. Um go to uh nfl.com slash pro bowl and you can vote. Uh you can vote as many times as you want for any players you want. But the NFL sent out the first status of the voting and two dolphins are leading their positions right now. The first one is Brandon Fields. So people are recognizing uh, Brandon. So he he's he's leading at punter for the AFC. And at tackle for the AFC is Jake Long. Huh. So Jake Long's name recognition is helping him out right now. So now the the well, fan vote only counts for one third. The coaches and the players each get another third. So he could very easily still not make it, but at least on the fan side, his his name recognition is pulling him high into the rankings. What are you going to say? Yeah, Chris? and, and I'm going to say part of that. Part of that, too, I mean, we look at that and we think, how's he getting Pro Bowl votes? But, I mean, he's only given up three sacks this year. So it's not like he's, you know, just – it's not like he plays for the Cardinals or something. I mean, those guys are awful. I mean, he's playing well comparatively to an average left tackle. Uh, And he had a really good game uh, for the most part this past week. I don't think he gave up any – I think he gave up one pressure maybe according to Pro Football Focus. I think that's right. Um, so and it's not like they those guys were world beaters by any means, but I mean he wasn't. I mean he's getting beaten by some bad players this year, and, and so he pretty much locked down Cameron, Camarion, Wimley, whatever his name is, and and did a good job against him. Uh, I think it's just Dolphins fans look at that like we expect him just to completely, you know, there's there's a brick wall over there, and it doesn't matter who is on the other side, they're stopped, and. That's just all there is to it. And when it doesn't happen, we're kind of shocked. Like, why is this happening? What's going on with him? But for the most yeah. part, he's playing yeah. well compared to everybody else. So it's just our expectations are a little higher of him. But I vote for him. Uh, and I think there's a couple of AFC tackles out there that, that might be playing a little better. Um, but, um, you know, I think he's playing well. And I think his name recognition will get him in there. I can't really name anybody off the top of my head that just stands out as being that much better than him. So I think I think that's it exactly, is that he's not playing badly. He's just playing badly for Jake Long. And we all expect Jake Long to be Jake Long. And even if he's not playing to that level, he's not playing so horribly that he couldn't be considered for Pro Bowl. Now, I think you're right. I think there are some tackles that are probably playing better and should get it over him right now, but that name recognition is an important thing. And it's the way um, all offensive linemen really are. Once they make the Pro Bowl, it's hard to get them out of there because nobody knows the guard on somebody else's team, but they sure know – the guard on somebody else's team that went to the Pro Bowl last year, they know that guy's name. Yeah. 
So and that's not a position people pay attention to during the game. I mean, if you yes, I mean you know there's a lot of fans like me, uh, you know that that I'll go back and watch the game and watch watch those guys, you know what they do, um, watch the defensive line and how they work against the offensive line because I like stuff like that. But your average fan who just catches the game on on Sunday. They're not paying attention to what's going on with the line. The only time they notice is when there's a penalty or a, or a sack. They're not paying attention to the offensive line and saying, "Wow, that guy just got you know completely blocked off their you know whatever." You know, they're not watching that. They're watching the ball. They're watching the quarterback, running back, or whoever. So it's hard for the offensive linemen to get that kind of recognition. But once they do get it, like you said, it's I mean they're pretty well locked in unless they just playing yep and before since i'm not actually looking at the live thread before people start uh questioning what i'm talking about um i do realize jake long is a tackle i was just using guard as an offensive line position so although our live thread seems to be pretty empty right now james what are you doing you're not getting people in there i blame you i don't yeah i don't know how that (laughs) works apparently we're uh we're 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 not loved tonight. People didn't people don't want to talk to us. It almost feels like my Friday Google Plus hangout show, but a little different. <laughs> yeah, sorry I missed that last week. I was yeah. busy with the kid and out doing stuff. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's a likely <laughs> story. It'll it'll okay. be like your story story tomorrow night, right? Yeah. But speaking of which, uh, I'll email you after the show. Uh, <laughs> but I guess uh, I'm hoping that we're about 15 minutes away from Brian calling in. So I guess we'll go ahead and turn it over, Chris, if you want to talk about your superstitions. And uh, we'll bring that up now. And hopefully Brian will be able to stay on for most of the rest of the show once he gets here. Well, I, um, you know, I, I sent you a text last week, and I didn't know you were going to write that article. And so I thought that would be something fun to talk about because everybody, you know, there's that commercial on, I think it's a Bud Light commercial, where everybody's doing their superstitious stuff, and they say, you know, it's only weird if it doesn't work thing. And so I got to thinking, well, now I'm sure there are plenty of Dolphin fans out there that have weird, weird things that they do on game day or during the game. <clears throat> And some of mine are is uh, number one. I have some uh, aqua-colored underwear that I wear every Sunday. Uh, after, of course, they get washed once a week. They don't get worn again until game day. I hope so. I have a, I have yeah. <laughs> I'm clean. Right? I uh, I have a dolphin's helmet that my mom got me when I was a kid, probably from like the Sears Wish Book or something. Yep. Goes on the coffee table. I have I only have like three hats. They're arranged around the helmet in a strategic fashion. They're all facing the television. <laughs> and my dolphin shirt on. I do not, if I can at all possibly help it, uh, avoid wearing the opposing team's colors or anything touching that. For example, uh, that's on game day, and that starts at midnight. For example, a couple weekends ago when we played the Jets, I was downstairs watching some college football, fell asleep on the couch. Well, based on the color scheme, and the house here, we have some green uh, blankets, and I was covered up with one. 
I woke up, it was after midnight, and I realized I had a green blanket on me. So I threw it <laughs> off. So that's, that's not touching me. Not green. So that, um, when I watched the game, I turned the volume to 17 in support of Ryan Tannehill. Um, <laughs> that's what the volume is set on. Uh, nice. Trying to think of some of the other stuff that I do. Like I said, I try to avoid wearing team colors. I uh, And it, here lately, this season, I rarely sit down during a game. I will sit down during commercials, halftime. Uh, and usually I, I sit down during the defenses. Because, you know, I expect our defense to be when the offense is on the field. When Ryan Tannehill drops back to throw a pass, I'm on my feet about three feet from the television, just glued to it because it makes me that nervous. Excuse me, but those are some of my weird superstitions that I have there. Well, um, since uh, we have this weird new guest on the air now, some guy, um, I, th- I think he's been around the show before, but it's been rare that he calls in. So I go ahead and welcome Keith back to the show. Keith, how are you? Kevin goes stock car racing, and now he thinks he's better than everyone on the show. <laughs> we discussed this last week. I'm a pretty big deal. Yeah, I, 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 I see that as a negative. I don't understand how this works. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I, I think that you lowered yourself on the on the totem pole a little bit here. Thank you for bringing yourself back down to the level of the masses. I, I still am a pretty big deal, though. But right. so we'll go ahead and turn to you, Keith. What what random superstitions do you have for Dolphins game day? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I have any anymore. I used to in my parents' house. They have chairs on uh, both sides of the TV. So I, if the Dolphins were you know getting drilled during a game, I might I might sit in the other seat. But I don't really have any superstitions at this point, which is weird because I'm a half superstitious person. <laughs> I'm not. You know, I'm very much someone where if a game's going well, I won't go to the bathroom unless unless it's a timeout or a commercial break or something. I will not get up. Uh, I won't stop watching it even if it's a blowout because I mean I've been uh, we've all been in that in that position where you 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 think the game's at hand and you, you look later and uh, the other team ended up winning. So I have no yep. superstitions. So. Is that what uh, we're talking about? Superstitions. We are. We're talking about superstitions right now. Is that, is that because uh, of how bad the Dolphins got pasted on Sunday that we're, we're no, perfectly not was, talking about that? No, we talked about Reggie Bush's benching, but, I mean, since you were late to the show and all, I guess uh, he didn't hear that. But, uh. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> you managed to go through all that 20 minutes. <laughs> no, we talked about know. Bush's benching. We talked about, uh, to get you up to speed, um, we talked about the Jets imploding. Um, and then uh, Pro Bowl voting has come out, the first update, and Brandon Fields is leading the AFC for punters, and Jake Long is leading for tackles. How? I was just about to say <laughs> that. I was like, I mean, of course. It, it, I mean, I like, obviously, I'm a huge supporter of Jake Long, but I I started to think that uh, not only is he mur- completely murdering his his value right now, because I, I don't know what his deal is. I don't. I don't think he's struggling with the system. I don't know if he's just uh, in a funk. I don't know if there's something in his head right now, or if he's hurt again. That usually seems to be the case with him. But yeah, uh, I know he's he's been listed on the uh, um, injury report the last couple weeks with a back injury. 
but well, I'm, I'm it's always probable. Including tackles, because uh, all, all I hear right now is that uh, Dwayne Brown is the best. It's the best tackle in the league, and I, I don't agree with that, but I think Dwayne Brown's playing better than Jake Long right now. And, and that's what we talked about. I think part of it is name recognition, because once an offensive lineman makes the Pro Bowl, it's hard to get him out of there. Um, but the other part is, I think we as Dolphin fans are seeing Jake Long play below Jake Long level. Other fans are seeing a still good left tackle, and that that's where the name recognition comes in, that well, he's a good left tackle, and he's been there before, so he must be good. I'll click him. Do you think so, the softball play uh, will will be we'll, – we'll call it a factor in whether or not we re-sign that guy or if we go ahead and we franchise him or what we do with him going forward? I think it will um, – I, I think it might be, not in the terms of if he's bad, we will – not re-sign him, but in the terms of it might drive his price down and get a, get him signed for a price that is <laughs> manageable for the Dolphins. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see uh, what what that offer starts at. So, And then you said Brandon Fields, that's good, because I feel like yeah. Brandon Fields is already going to be in the Pro Bowl if it wasn't for Shane Butler. Yeah, oh yeah. So it's, so, it's interesting. That he's finally getting that recognition because I think I know that Shane Leckler didn't have a punt blocked until this year when uh, their their long snapper imploded or <laughs> something happened to him. They put some other guy in and they couldn't yep. even snap the bar. Right? I think that was the first game of the season. Uh, yeah, he had a, he he had bad times there. But well, let me see if I can pull it up again. Um, I'm just curious as to why all of a sudden people are looking toward uh, Brandon Fields over Shane Leckler now. Because I figured Leckler had that had that spot on uh, on lockdown, kind of like Champ Bailey going to the Pro Bowl 11 times or however how many times he's gone. I'm guessing it's because if you do the search of average, he he's leading in average right now for the AFC. But Chris, what oh, were you going to say? I was going to say, if you if when you go on to the, the site and you're voting for the Pro Bowl, it lists, it lists the punter's name, and I think it lists the number of pumps he's had or something, and his average, the number of times inside the 20, and I think there's one other, I don't know if it's touchbacks or something else. But anyway, I mean, Leckler's up there somewhere in like the 46 range, 47, 48, maybe, I don't remember. I mean, it's still good. But Fields was actually increasing. I, I don't know if it went down after this past week, but he uh, he was like fifty one point six, so he was just killing everybody in the average. And oh, it has a long, the long their longest pump. That was the other one. So he was just killing people. Yeah, average wise, and he was three or four yards ahead of just about everybody else. And I think your average voter looks at that and says, "I uh, discussed forty six, forty eight. Oh wow, fifty one point six. Let's vote for that guy." So yep, exactly. Oh, um, I hope so. Uh, just to talk about some other guys that are on the list, uh, Peyton Manning has the most votes so far at almost three hundred seventy seven thousand. He's just short of three hundred seventy seven thousand, and um. Marquise Pouncey is leading the centers right now. He always does. 
So that, that's he was, he was all being up last year. In fact, he wasn't. I'd make the case he wasn't even that good last year, and he was leading. That's yeah. why I, I used to take a lot of pride in you know like Jake Long going to the Pro Bowl all the time, and it's still great. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to see that streak snapped, but it's clear that with the fan vote, it's like when uh, when Yao was like the leading NBA All Star Game vote getter every year. Oh yeah. The, all China was voting for him. I mean, it's it's just something you take with a grain of salt. And Pittsburgh fans travel well. They're everywhere. My boss is like a diehard Steelers fan, so which is sickening, by the way. But So they travel well. I'm not surprised when, when Steelers players are way up front in any sort of um, ballot-type situation. Um, looking at the NFC, Jeff Saturday is leading the NFC centers. Ugh. That's that's pretty talented to go from the AFC to the NFC and still be leading in your position. Yeah. Name recognition again. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, because I feel like they gave up a better player uh, in Scott Wells. They didn't re-sign Scott Wells. They brought him Saturday. (laughs) I think Wells is worlds better than Jeff Saturday. Has Rondé Barber been playing that well for the Bucks, Or is that name recognition? He's got a ton of picks. He really took that because they're using him as more of a safety this year. Yeah, he's he's leading at free safety from the NFC right now. Yeah, he's just. He, hmm. I don't know. He's he's having a type of uh, it's almost like a Rod Woodson like career where he was really good at corner and then you move on over to safety and he's really good at that too. Yeah. He usually thinks like yeah it'll be serv- serviceable. You're not going to get killed if he's there. <sighs> Yeah, when you look at the safety position, I, I was looking at it when I was voting the numerous times that I voted, and I started looking through it, and I was like, aside from name recognition, none of these guys are really just standing out as being incredible. Um, I mean, you've got those two corners for the Bears that are getting all those pick sixes and everything. But yeah. as far as safeties, I mean, I vote for Rashad Jones for the simple fact that there's really nobody else in the AFC that I can see Aside from you know a couple other guys, maybe that's playing, you know, and of course that was before third, uh, Sunday. But I don't see any other guys. I mean, people are going to vote for Ed Reed because they know Ed Reed, but I don't think he's playing that much better than everybody else. I don't think, you know, I just looked at all the safety positions. I was like, wow, that's just really there's just not a, a lot of super duper great safeties out there right now. Aside from Palomalo and Reed, and they're toward the end of their careers, I believe. So. And those are actually the two leading the safeties right now for the AFC. Uh, Reed and Palomalo. We shouldn't even put the stock in this. I mean, how uh, Eric Berry's playing this year. I don't like how a lot of teams doing it. Um, Out of touch I've been. Cornerback, AFC cornerback is Antonio Cromartie. Leading AFC cornerback? Leading the AFC corners is Cromartie. Whatever. That's not surprising. Um, defensive end is J.J. Watt. What I'd like to see is who's second. Is Cameron Wake up there? I don't know. I keep um, hearing about J.J. Watt as a, an MVP candidate. Yeah. That seems to be. I, I mean, are we in a year where it's just – because, I mean, no real quarterbacks are standing out. Except, I mean, unless you think that Peyton Manning's uh, the real deal this year. Yep. It's not like a year like last year where he had all these quarterbacks who were just pushing for 5,000 yards by the beginning of December. So. Well, I think that I think the MVP right now, I mean, 
Peyton Manning's going to get votes because he's Peyton Manning and he's playing well and he's putting up a lot of numbers. But if you really look at it, the total picture, I mean, what could be in there and what's going to hold him back? I mean, he's leading the, he's leading the league in sacks, but I don't think it's such a lead that, you know, first of all, that it can't be overcome and it's not overwhelming. I mean, he, he doesn't, right. unless he has a great game, he's not going to end up with, you know, 20-some sacks. Um, but the guy I think that should get it, is Adrian Peterson because that guy, first of all, he's coming off a knee injury that he shouldn't be playing like well, but he's dominating, and it seems like he gets better every week. Um, and I don't know, he's just he's just going off on people. So I, th- I think he's put his name in the running, and I think people are going to be impressed with the fact that he's come back and playing so well that he's he can get some votes away. And if guys like Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan and those guys step up and can take votes away from guys, you know, take votes away from each other and take many stuff, then I think AP can sneak in there and steal that one. I think it's going to be interesting this year to see the comeback player of the year with Peterson and Manning. I don't even care. <laughs> I mean, it, I agree. It's, it's. I mean, you really have. Two great comeback stories, and you're, even though I really don't care for Peyton Manning, I mean, you can't, I mean, to get thrown away by Indianapolis like that. Yep. Uh, and, and which, really, may be, which may be what gives it to him is that it wasn't just an injury, but it was the team getting rid of you. So that may be that's Peyton. You that you'd have a hard time making the case that that, that was the wrong decision. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean that's that's the really insane thing in all this. I mean they give away a guy who could could be an MVP candidate as of right now, probably the comeback player of the year, and you, you'd still do it. I'd do it. Yep. So I mean, you guys, uh, yeah. If you, had to, if you had to pick the the Super Bowl contenders today, like the representatives of each conference, who would you go with? Because I was asked this question the other day, and I I have no idea. I'm sticking with my uh, preseason Texans Bears. Hopefully, it's a better game than last time. Yeah, I think it will be. I think the uh, problem I have with the Bears is their offense is just—I don't know—I'm not down with their offense. I think that their defense is really good, but I think if it came down to uh, you know, a, a close game. I think there's going to be some other teams out there that could beat them. I think I think the matchup really that's going to be interesting to watch the AFC will be the Patriots versus the, the Texans. Um, they haven't played yet, I don't believe. So um, it's going to be that's going to be a good game to watch. And if and the Texans are strong right now, uh, but I think the Patriots. It's going to be interesting to see what the key to lead brings to their defense, and if. You know they step up in their secondary. They're going to be tough to beat too. So <laughs> yeah, the pa- the Patriots are making the right moves. I mean, um, if I, I think say, if I had to pick right now, I would say the Packers and the Texans. But I think the yeah. other team out of the AFC that has a chance is Manning and the Broncos. Yeah, unfortunately, Cause I don't really like the Broncos, but. See, the AFC is not as interesting for me as the NFC. I think that in the NFC, it could be Green Bay. Could be Chicago. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to have my doubts about San Francisco. Yeah. Not because they tied St. Louis, because I think St. Louis is a better team than people realize right now. The fact that I think San Francisco is just going to find a way to blow it. 
But on the on the heels of that is the fact you look at a team like Seattle. I don't I don't think it, it's wrong to think that Seattle has a chance at this point. I don't think so either. No. I think it's like if with if they can get any sort of home field advantage in the playoffs, they're going to be hard to beat because they just manhandle people in that giant. Which is funny because everybody's giving Luck all the kudos of getting his team in playoff position and everything, and yet you have a third-round rookie quarterback up in Seattle that's doing the exact same thing. Yeah, with far less of a, a cast in terms of receivers. He's got some decent guys, but yeah. he's not rolling with two really strong rookie tight ends and Reggie Wayne and Avery and Hilton and all those guys. Yep. Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson's a good player, but the thing that really impresses me uh, with Seattle, aside from their obviously their defense, is I think their offensive line is better than people think too. And it, it's it's almost like they were taking like everyone rags on the Dolphins for taking these high picks. Seattle was doing it too. Like they yep. took Okun. I mean, I think they took Unger at the end of the first round. I mean, they took a center in the first round too when when it was far more taboo than when we did it. Uh, they yeah. took a Carpenter. I mean, I don't know if he's even playing yet, but. They're bringing all these guys in, and it's like, I mean, they're getting results right now. So They are, absolutely. Um, I'm looking through the live thread right now, and other than Alpha asking if somebody just peed on the show, um, I don't see any questions, so I guess we can move on. <laughs> That's not weird at all. No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, interesting. Um, Did you expect something different from uh, Alpha? That's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you guys want to call into the show, number is three four seven three two six nine four six one. That's three four seven three two six nine four six one. You can uh, talk to us in the live thread on thefinsider dot com. That's thefinsider dot com. And as Ryan Tannehill said to start the show, that's with a ph. So, oh, Keith, you haven't heard our new intro yet, have you? No. Um, here we go. We're going to re-intro the show. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback from the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Fence with the PH. That's funny. That's get him to do that. That's the sound of uh, Kevin trying to get a station in his gremlin, I assume. <laughs> oh, that's, that's what he was listening to in his stock car, which I presume he took Ryan Tannehill in. <laughs> was there a roll seat in that thing and everything? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was nice. I care. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to come over to the to the uh, the dark side of racing. But it was nice. It was a lot of fun. Um, if you guys don't know, that's what I did last Sunday. Um, while the Dolphins were getting pounded, I uh, my my wife and son for Father's Day bought me a uh, on track experience, so I got to go do that, go race around for several laps, and uh, have some fun, pass some cars. It was good. I'm jealous. I knew you would be. It was it was a good time. It was a lot of fun. You have reason. Why the why the Dolphins just got absolutely annihilated? Um, because I wasn't there watching. Because well, okay, you are a big deal. I mean, I am a big deal. <laughs> Let's go big, back to the yeah, superstition. You're, you're not watching. The Dolphins just aren't as motivated. They aren't. I mean, 
Uh, it's my fault. I will take I will take blame for that because I am a pretty big deal. What went to your head? Was it the Forbes thing? <laughs> no, the Forbes things didn't, and you'd think that would. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't even remember why we started that discussion last week. <laughs> Sorry, I missed out. I think we were quoting Anchorman or something. Who knows? Yeah, it, it oh, did go I to the Anchorman it. quotes. Our tenant's apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> I do have many leather-bound books. <laughs> and we are back to last week's show. <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> um, to bring it back to Dolphin stuff, go ahead and look at uh, the injury report for tomorrow night. Because, hey, we have a game tomorrow night. Uh, questionable is Jabar Gaffney and Jerron Mastrid. Probable are Dansby, Hartline, McDaniel, uh, Misi, Moore, Marlin type. Uh, Pouncey, Soliai, and Vernon. Um, looking at the Bills side, out is defensive end Mark Anderson, running back Fred Jackson, defensive end Chris Kelsey, and cornerback Aaron Williams. Probable is defensive end Marcel Darius, wide receiver Marcus Easley, and tackle Chris Harrison. Defensive tackle Spencer Johnson, and a whole bunch of other guys. Um Brad Smith, C.J. Spiller, Mario Williams, since I don't really feel like naming everybody else they have listed. That's fine. Good point. But, by the way, I'm now number 14. I have fallen from my top three spot. I'm now number 14 on the uh, Business of Sports A-list tracker. So, <laughs> I guess uh, I guess I need to start working harder. But I am still a pretty big deal. <laughs> Which I didn't even I man, I didn't even use it. I was looking things up. I didn't even use my nifty sound effects. Exactly. <laughs> Giving me sound effects was a bad idea. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, hey, Dolphins game tomorrow. Um, Unfortunately, it doesn't look like Brian's going to be able to call in. I'm hoping he's. I'm still hoping he'll be able to make it, but we'll see. Uh, Brian Galliford over from Buffalo Rumblings. Who? Oh, Oh, never mind. I was going to make a comment that might upset some people. I believe he is a Maddie Award winner. Um, oh yeah, for friendly, uh, friendly, yeah, blogger. Yeah, I think like he was he the Chad Pennington. I miss, I miss him doing the mock drafts. Is, is there any chance we can get him doing those again? If if he comes on, I will let you ask him that question. Just, you know, you can ask him yourself. I mean, it doesn't have to come <laughs> from me. The only thing he did that upset me was he just refused. To give us anyone but Mark Ingram. <laughs> he did. I mean, you he and I did. had a conversation about this, and it just drove me up a wall. I was like, I forgot about that. But <laughs> like, we don't want him. He's like, and, and he kept saying that uh, Mark Ingram uh, fell right in line with our running game, which was the bread and butter. That drove me nuts, too. But besides that, I really liked him. <laughs> Uh, I, for, 
forgot about that. That did drive you crazy for a while. Well, yeah, the best part is I told him this is I mean not to pat myself on the back. It was like in January and I brought up Mike Mike Pouncey and he was like he just like laughed at me. And then by March he had he was mocking Mike Pouncey. Too. I was like, "Ha." Ah. Um I am a big deal, but uh, apparently there is a movement within the live thread right now to get a mob together and come after me with pitchforks and fire. And somewhere along the line, they're going to light Nikki on fire and throw him at me. <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> Who's trying to sick? And yet I couldn't help but laugh at it. <laughs> I just, just saying. It's Nikki was the only person we could think of that we could throw. Interesting what's going on in the live thread. <laughs> Nikki, while he's wearing his uh, Miami Heat champion's gear, <laughs> that's probably flammable, too. Just light it up. That's, that's terrible. Who came up with that idea, by the way? What, throwing him at me? Uh, Alpha. The whole thing. Well, Alpha. Daytona Dolphin wanted to get the pitchforks. Alpha wanted to get the fire. Then our own wonderful producer, James, asked, what are we going to do to Nikki? And so oh, they, they, said, get, they said bring Nikki, and I was like, "What are you going to do, Nikki?" <laughs> but yeah, so. seemed seem like a common sense question, going given the uh, the line of thought. Kind of did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love how they make it sound like they're just going to like kidnap him and put him in a tote bag, and then like <laughs> take him out to your location because Florida's still on the way to Texas. <laughs> You're just going to swing by Miami on the way to Central Texas. Right. Keith said so, last week when uh, when there were certain people in the thread that believed that we were all broadcasting oh, yes. from, from the same location. I love that. That's <laughs> awesome. Cool. We're all the table or something. At one <laughs> we are. We have our own secret Finsider radio station. You just don't know yeah, where it's it like is. In Kansas, it's like in Kansas City, so it's sort of central. We all just drive there. <laughs> right, once a week. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that reminds me. Uh, Kevin, that post, uh, that recap video you did a couple of when they beat the Jets and you were wearing glasses. Yeah. Ridiculous. Hey. That's probably what knocked you down uh, on the Forbes list, actually. It, it could have been. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> it was fun when you said, Tony Sperano, why wasn't he running around like an idiot? I did laugh. You got to <laughs> keep and talk a lot. Good. So I, I can't completely hate, but James sent me the link, and I, and I saw that, and I, and I was like, you just you just killed the Finsider. I looked good. No, I, I, I'm working on it. I, I, I have light-sensitive eyes. It's not as bad as Tony's, but I do have light-sensitive eyes. And the um, because because I was doing it at night, I actually had the light on for my camera, and mm-hmm. it was right in my freaking eyes, and I couldn't see anything. I couldn't even tell if the camera's red light was on. So I was like, okay, I've got to do it. I've, I've got to be that guy that wears sunglasses at night. So, uh, well, you have one of those coats, like one of those like the fat windbreakers they have for larger people. We'll say. I I was thinking about uh, trying to pull out a uh, members only jacket. That's embarrassing. Do you actually have one of those? I I don't know. 
<laughs> I was gonna say I think you're I think you're too young to to have a, a I, legit I, one unless you went and bought it on eBay or Craigslist. Or I had I had a I had one as a kid, but what? not not an adult what, one. What parent forced you to do that? Mine. <laughs> well, I get that, but was that your mom was like, huh? Look at Kevin's mullet. We got to give him. A <laughs> I didn't have a mullet. Yeah, we all had mullets. I I shaved head my whole life. I don't Alpha, Alpha says the shine on your head wasn't pretty either. Hey, that was the sun behind me. I'm sticking to that story. Right. <laughs> but uh, that's not that's not Midwax. No, no. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I, I will claim that at least. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> but, oh, I'm, I'm really uh, kind of sad that Brian's not going to be able to make it. Uh, I was hoping he'd get in here. Seems like every time, oh, I just reset my board. Hmm. Okay, it came back. That's and it's good. it's exactly the same. Yeah, I was worried it wasn't coming back. Um, I, I was really hoping he'd be able to make it. It seems like every time that I get somebody theoretically scheduled. Either all oh wait, either all breaks loose or <laughs> that that's my that's my um Ohio sound effect. Just so you know, Keith, why I have that now. Uh, <laughs> Is that trying to beat out like the 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 f bomb that he drops every seventeenth word. <laughs> it, it definitely seems like we have at least one every time he comes on, and I love him coming on the show. Don't get me wrong. So Ohio, if you're listening, don't come down here and hunt me down. <laughs> or though uh, he's probably he's in Florida now, so I guess it would be come over here, not come down here. But yeah, um, up and over. Yeah. So to over. get back to yeah. uh, dolphins. What do you guys see as biggest need that we have to do tomorrow to have success against the Bills? Score more points than they do. Thank you. That is an awesome observation. That's why you're the producer. Now stop being on-air talent. (laughs) It's the first thing that came to mind. Sorry. (laughs) We need – you guys watch that – what is it? Uh, the Dan Lebetard show on ESPN. Oh my God, no! Um, <laughs> I don't watch ESPN. Yeah, unless, I know you unless don't. Unless there's a game, unless there's a game on. I don't. I don't have NFL Network on my work TV because I am a big deal. I have a TV in my office. Okay, so it's on ESPN. I'm, I'm, I'm going to join that that <laughs> mob or whatever. But <laughs> I, if I can actually speaking of ESPN, if I can just jump in for one second. Sure. Did you guys see that Rick Riley thing no. that went on? And, and uh, I guess that they had they went back to uh, that. Uh, I guess they were like the on-site panel after the game, and you saw him like he was goading those guys to mention that he had he had broke the Roethlisberger injury on Twitter. And I already hate Rick Riley, so I mean it's not like I needed any any more reason to do so. But that guy is just total scum. <laughs> well, tell us how you really feel. Well, I, I well, I don't know. As someone who who writes uh, somewhat for a living, I just get annoyed by these 
because he's one of those guys who doesn't doesn't just write sports news. He tries to make himself a part of it. Like, yeah. Look at me. Hey, I hang out with the fans and everything, and look at me gallivanting with everyone, and I'm canoodling with Sammy Sosa, and I'm asking him to pee in a cup and all this. It's sickening. I remember like Deadspin <laughs> really let him have it a couple of years ago, and they got in a lot of hot water for it. And I agreed with everything they said. So, Oof. to uh, to change the subject now. Well, anyway, on the Dan Levitard, whatever that show is, Dan Levit, no. Whatever the show is, I can't think of what it is, but they have a sound every time the producer comes on to say something. I really think we need that for James. <laughs> but uh, what, are, what, are, no. what are we doing to James? Every time you talk, you have to play a sound beforehand. It just lets us know that the producer's coming on. It it, it, it makes you a pretty big deal. See, I, I didn't say I'm like, a pretty like, big deal. I want to play I like a thirty-second clip of a song then. Like <laughs> I don't want to pay for that. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, that's true. You do have to pay for that. I'll get, uh, I'll get, I'll get Keith to whip something up for me. Okay. Uh, I'm still waiting for him to do an intro for the show. <sighs> he just let me down on that one. So anyway, um, what were we talking about? Oh, I know what I was going to say. Yes, that too. Um, apparently that's a pretty big thing to talk about during the show of the Dolphins blog is about the Dolphins. But to change the subject anyway, um, <laughs> to the pressing news in the South Beach, South Florida area right now, um, one of the reporters, beat writers for the Dolphins, was holding a informal Twitter vote on who should be the owner of the uh, Miami Marlins. And uh, I just wanted to let you know, James, that Mark Cuban came in second. I can't remember who they said was first, but Cuban was second, and it just made me think of you. So I might cheer for him a little bit if that happens. <laughs> but just saying. Okay, so Dolphins-Bills. What do we have to do to win besides score more points? Well, I've been... This is something I've been thinking about a lot in terms of this team. And I think that Titans game really exposed one part of our offense that is lacking. That is, we don't have a receiver that can attack the middle of the field. Now, we've got guys that can attack the short stuff, like Bass and Fasano. But we don't have a guy that can run those deep square ends. Uh, if Marshall was here, that would be him. But we don't have that guy. And so I think what's going to happen is teams are just going to cover to us to death. Um, we don't have that guy that can attack that middle of the field, so they're going to force Tannehill to either try to throw everything to the middle or they're going to try to funnel everything to the safeties. And we don't have that guy that can do that, and I think that's going to limit us. And I think that's catching up with the team. I think that's why we're struggling so much on offense, because they're taking away those outbreaking routes that Tannehill loves to throw and the heart line runs so well. And they're giving the short stuff. We don't have a guy that if we need to pick up a big 20-yard pass across the middle, there's nobody there to do that. The, the best person we have on the team in terms of, you know, athleticism and, and and size and things would be Michael Agnew, and he's not even seen the field yet. And I don't trust Marlon Moore to do that, and Hartline's not that guy. So, you know, I think that's something that we've got to look at in the draft or in free agency is picking up a guy like that. 
But in order to beat the Bills, we're going to have to, one of our receivers is going to have to be able to work that section of the field, get open, to make those safeties honest, to guard the middle of the field, and that's going to open up the outside. Until that happens, I think we're going to struggle offensively. So that's something I think we need to do against the Bills. Work the middle of the field the best we can so that way it can open up the rest of our offense. I think I think you're right. I think part of it is, I think, Tannehill. I think he's more comfortable working the outside than he is the center. Um, but absolutely. I Why Bess isn't running slants across the middle, I have no idea. Um, and see, but we I have think a short, we have a short pattern, guys. But what we don't have is, and I, I remember it was a, I think it was a PFF article they were talking about. It was against the very first, very first game against Houston. And you were there. You might remember this play. I, don't, I think it was sometime in the second quarter, um, they run a, a pass play, and Hartline is basically streaking down the middle of the field, and they throw the pass, and it's a little bit overthrown. But he had two defenders right there with him. And the PFF article said that that's not Hartline's specialty, that that's not what he's used for. And I got to thinking, I got to watching the rest of the games, and we don't ever attack that part of the field. We don't have a guy that you can say, all right, you run 15 yards and cross across the middle, and I'm going to throw there, and you go up and get it, or we don't have a guy fast enough to run those routes. And teams are catching on to that. And so what they're doing is they're backing off, saying, all right, we're going to give you those little short five-yard pass patterns to Bess, those little dump-offs to Fasano and, and, and Daniel Thompson and all that. But we're going to take away that outside stuff, and we're going to force you to throw across the middle because you don't right. have anybody. And so if we get that guy, I think you're going to see our offense explode. Um, if we get a guy – let's say in the draft we get a guy like Keenan Allen or Justin Hunter, one of those big guys that can cross the middle and do that stuff, then suddenly those corners and those safeties are going to have to back off those out, those outbreaking outs. They're going to have, they're going to, have uh-huh. to give Hartline that space. And then Hartline's going to be able to do what he does. They're going to open up the middle for a tight end. Sonna's going to be able to get deeper on those patterns. It's going to open up. So that's what I'm going to look for tomorrow night. I'm going to see which one of our receivers can can do that. Is Marlon Moore going to be that guy? Can can Hartline start doing that better? Who's going to be able to attack that part of the field? Because if I was the Buffalo Bills, that's what I would be. Uh, you know, I'm hey, I'm going to leave this a little bit open because you don't have a guy that can do that, and and see if one of our guys can step up. And then right right now we don't have that guy, or he's not stepping up one of the others. So yeah, that's one thing I'm going to be looking for. Uh, and then, you know, the offensive line and try to get some push in the run game will be the other. That's that's kind of unnerving right now, but I think um, that's my subject. I think uh, uh, I'm going to say something here that I really don't want to say, but I was reading a pretty good article by Omar today. Um, and it, say what? It, exactly. Um, he, the majority of it was, his typical I refuse to admit that a quarterback might be good type of thing. But what he was pointing out was we're pretty much at the same spot right now where we were with Chad Henney at this point. Henney came in his first season and looked good right away. And then teams started to figure him out. 
And the first team in the downfall of Henny was the Buffalo Bills, as he put it. And that's exactly where we are this week. Same same number of games, nine starts or whatever it is. Yeah, nine starts. And it was the Bills in that 10th start. And will Tannehill be able to evolve and react to teams starting to figure him out? And his point was that teams know that exactly what you said, Chris, that Tannehill does not throw to the middle of the field. He throws to the outside. They are starting to figure out what he audibles to. They're starting to figure out his snap count, how he moves, where that he likes to roll to his right, all that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting over the next few games to see if now that there is tape on Tannehill and there is tended, there are tendencies developing for him, will he and will the team be able to adjust to make sure that the that the Dolphins can continue to have success. So it was an interesting article, um, but I, I disagree with a lot of what he writes in those type of articles because you can tell what he's trying to do is say, well, Tannehill's not any good because I haven't seen him have that kill yet, and I have to see him as a killer, and he doesn't have it, and I still have questions because – I'm the greatest person ever, and I'm a pretty big thing, and I uh, like how I threw that in there. I'm a pretty big thing, and I know what I'm looking at, and you guys that just watch the ball don't understand. You know, I think it's funny when you mention that because I was looking at the pro football talk today, and, you know, they do that. It's like an everyday article. It's called like whatever morning that is, one-liners. Yeah. And all it is is just links to other articles about teams, and the link for the Dolphins says, have teams caught up to Tannehill? And that's all I read. And before I clicked, I said, that's a No More Kelly article. And sure <laughs> enough, that was the article that I read. I was like, I could just tell by the tone of their their little blurb yep. that it was No More Kelly. So. Yeah. But, but uh, And as far as the defense goes, you know, I'm going to be watching the secondary and see how they, how they play. I think it's going to be uh, a good matchup, I think. Uh, Smith can match up well against Steve Johnson, Stevie Johnson, wherever he goes by. Um, if the other guys I'm a little worried about, uh, and the run defense, we've looked kind of bad uh, the past few weeks. We finally gave up that 100-yard rusher. And I'm, in a way, I'm glad that happened because, you know, it's one of those things where they haven't done that yet. They haven't done that yet. And it kind of, it's like now that that's over with, put it past you and start a new streak or, you know, just get back to, to the basics. And something I noticed a little bit of that Titans game, and I'll admit, I watched that. I had I had another obligation, so I, I watched the first. I think I saw, I think I saw up to right before uh, Chris Johnson scored that touchdown. I, I saw Jake Logger scramble on fourth down and pick it up, and I turned the TV off, and then, then I had to leave. I came back, watched it all on DVR, and immediately deleted it, which I never <laughs> do that. And but one thing that I noticed when we played the Rams. They limited Bush because they had a backside pursuer. When we would run, say, to the left, they had a linebacker come around behind the line of scrimmage and chase Bush to prevent that cutback. And we didn't do that. I don't think I saw it one time against against yeah. Chris Johnson. And what we had, happened was everybody crashed to the side that he was going to. We never had that backside pursuer to, to, to take away the cutoff or the cutback. 
and as soon as he would cut back, our guys were, you know, on their heels, and it was over. And C.J. Spiller is a similar type runner. That he's going to find that cutback lane, and he's got the speed to to break off the big plays. And so I think if, if I'm Kevin Coyle, I'm saying, all right, me, senior, Burnett, whoever, whoever's, whoever's going opposite the play side, whoever's on the weak side there, you are the cutback pursuer. You are following him. And if he tries to cut back, you bury him in the turf behind the line of scrimmage. Let our defensive line handle the, the, the you know, wherever direction he starts going. You guys take over the direction he might go. And I think we'll be fine. But if we don't have that, I think we're going to be in for a long game. Yeah. There was a, there was a play. I, I broke it down earlier this week. Um since it's Wednesday earlier this week is like Monday or Tuesday. But anyway, um, did the play earlier this week, and it was uh, Johnson's 18-yard touchdown run. And you can see it develop perfectly. The offensive line gets a wall. The linebackers are in position to shoot the gaps. And Vernon was in on the right defensive end position. And he moves upfield. He does not follow Johnson. He moves upfield, and he is in perfect position to seal him off on the backside run. If he cuts back, Vernon is right there. The problem is Misi doesn't go in his gap. Misi keeps going down, running parallel to the offensive line, and when Johnson does cut back, Vernon gets blocked out of the hole, and there's just a big open gap where Misi just ran right past it. And yeah, you're you're exactly right that the the linebackers are following him parallel. Nobody's going upfield and then following him to stop the cutback. So yeah, that absolutely we have to be able to do that on C.J. Spiller. And historically, the Dolphins have been able to stop Spiller. It's Jackson that they haven't been able to stop, and he's out for this game. So that's a not that you ever want to see a player out for an injury, especially a concussion, but that is a bonus for the Dolphins this week is that they only have Spiller. We don't have to be ready for Spiller and Jackson. But. And I think, you know, uh, you know, I would do that. I would try to limit, I would try to limit you know, the big runs from him. And I would also I – th- I read – I was reading that article about Mark Sanchez today on PFF, and I linked off to – one of their links that they had in the article, and it said that um, they were listing, like, some of their signature stats. And I, I was looking at some of them, and it was interesting that Tannehill was leading in, I think, two of them for this year of all quarterbacks. One of them, I believe, was, um, uh, I think it was a completion percentage under pressure, and the other was a completion percentage on deep passes. And I got to reading something else by them, and it turns out that Tannehill is – Number one in the league in accuracy on deep passes. The guy who is dead last is Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, if uh, if I'm the Dolphins, I'm I'm taking I'm, I'm making sure we have that cutback in the run game. In the pass game, I'm playing press coverage, and I'm 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 going to let them try to beat me deep because he's not very good at throwing the ball deep. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, as soon as as soon as I say that, Fitzpatrick's going to throw for 800 yards, <laughs> 70 touchdowns. And every pass is going to be 30 yards plus. But <laughs> this tendency, I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to play press. I'm going to let you try to beat me deep. I'm going to take away everything short that he likes to throw, the, the quick pattern, 
and make you throw it deep. And then by doing that, get him flustered and allow Wake and whatever else is there that we call a pass rush to try to get after him. I will now, say I'm, I'm uh, not an expert, writing, but that's my defensive. That would be my defensive plan based on those kind of numbers. Looking at uh, Pro Football Focus, um, the Bills are number three or number four in the league in pass protection. So it could be a long day for Wake and Vernon and Odrick. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and and another... part, of that, part of that, too, sorry to interrupt, but part of that, no, too, comes from the fact that they said that Fitzpatrick, he's, he's one of the top in the league in terms of um, uh, from snap to pass, yeah. the time elapsed. Like he's only like two some seconds. So they throw these quick patterns. It doesn't allow for a pass rush. And but that's why I, that's why I said I would counter that by you know playing press, forcing those guys to try to go deep to make him you know sit longer in the pocket and hope that our pass rush can get to him. He's throwing those short stuff all day. Like I, I don't know what we were doing against the Colts. It seemed like every time that. Uh, luck would snap the ball. All you'd see is receivers, and our corners weren't anywhere inside. They're yeah. playing off so bad. So if we're playing, I think we should play a little closer, break up that timing a little bit, and hope our pass rush gets there. And I think that's part of the reason why their numbers are so good is just because he gets the ball out so quick. And that was actually exactly what I was going to talk about. Was um, <laughs> they they have they have this signature stat snapshot time to throw. How long after? a snap does a quarterback throw the ball and currently leading the league in the fastest is Tom Brady. He's 2.49 seconds after snap. He's throwing the ball. Matt Hasselbeck is second at 2.5 Peyton Manning at 2.51. And then uh, Tannehill and Fitzpatrick are both at 2.57 or and Carson Palmer. So all three of them are at 2.57. So, that that's great, but what was interesting about it was the other thing that they timed was time to sack. So how what is the average time between snap and the quarterback being sacked? And while Tannehill's average time to pass is two point five seven seconds, his average time to sack is two point four eight. So it's taking almost a tenth of a second faster to sack him than it is for him to throw. So, uh, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> but that he is, is, uh, he is line there. Yeah, he is the third fastest to sack in the league. Kevin Cobb at 2.28 and Phillip Rivers at 2.43. <laughs> Wow, Kevin Cobb can't even get the word "puck" out of his mouth. No, in the ground. That's bad. Yeah, yeah. But then uh, let's see, yeah. Cobb. Where is he on the? He is the seventh longest time to throw at two point eight four seconds. So it's almost a half second faster that he's getting sacked than he is throwing the ball. You know, that's kind of interesting because I don't think the Dolphins have given up a lot of sacks this year. I think they're actually one of the in terms in terms of overall sacks, they've they've actually been pretty good. Um, I know last year they were awful. They were what they were like a couple away from breaking the franchise record. And I think this year we're only on pace to have maybe forty sacks or something. So things are going better. And I think it's just that um, 
for some reason, the offensive line is not, you know, they have their moments where they have great pass protection, but then there's those moments where Tannehill calls the protection, it looks right, but one guy just blocks the wrong guy. Um, and I think it was the, um, um, that, you know, I think it might have been you that was talking about uh, where Tannehill got injured against the Jets, is that Martin blocked down on this one guy he took the inside blitzer because John Jerry decided to double the other guy yep. pouncing and it left Calvin Pace coming off the edge. Whereas if Jerry takes the blitzer, Martin takes uh, Calvin Pace and maybe there's not a sack there. So, you know, it just things like they have those moments and uh, and I think that attributes to that. So I don't know. I'm kinda worried about the defensive the the Bills pass rush because They've not been great at all this year, and they paid all that money to Mario Williams for his grand total of three sacks. Yeah. But it always seems like that when we play that team, they're like, oh, this team, you know, they're not doing this well. They're not doing that. They always seem to have that great game against the Dolphins. So, I don't know. I'm a little nervous about, about you know, Mario Williams deciding to have a – deciding to earn that paycheck and end up with five sacks or something tomorrow. <laughs> Um, the Dolphins are 14th in the league, tied for 14th with 11 sacks allowed this year. Wow, um, pretty good. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals have allowed the most at 33 sacks. So, yeah, that's not so good. Um, and really, my, if you think about that, one of those sacks that the Dolphins allowed was when uh, was against the Jets when Matt Moore slid before he reached the line of scrimmage. Yep. So we're really only giving up 10 actual bad plays in terms of sacks. That's pretty good. I'll take that. Mike That's Pouncey? Played nine games. Pouncey has allowed zero. Incognito's allowed three. Jerry's allowed two. Um, and Martin they and Long have three. both allowed three. So, but uh, so they got to do better. Um, they they really aren't doing that badly. I mean, we say it like they're the worst team in the league, and they're a third of the worst team in the league. But they they do have to do better if the Dolphins are going to have success because a rookie's going to need as much time as he can possibly get. So we'll see. Um, and, and, you know, I think my issue with them is not necessarily in the passing game, it's the running game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times in the last few games that it seems like, and we've gone up against some, you know, fairly weak defensive lines where Reggie Bush goes to hit the hole, and, yeah, there might be a big cutback lane because they always should hit that lane, but he runs into a hole that's supposed to be there, and he runs right into the back of our offensive line because they're still there. They've not gotten yeah. pushed and not pushed the hole. And I'm like, you know, what's up with that? You know, we were leading the league. And to me, that's not something that you put film on. I mean, yeah, you can learn tendencies, but really that's just one guy going out there and blocking another guy. There's not a whole lot you can look at on film to get away from that. So to me, I think there's – I don't know what's going on, but they've lost something there, and I think they need to get that back. Absolutely. The, The running game has to show back up. And the Bills are 32nd in the league against the Rush. So if they're going to do it, this is the week to do it. 
So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But um, unfortunately, Brian obviously didn't make it in for the show. Um, and Keith dropped. I sent him a text message to see what happened, and he has not responded to me. So I don't know if his phone died or if he uh, – where he is, he gets – in and out service anyway, so it could be that too. But I'll go ahead and send it around. We'll go ahead and start uh, wrapping up the show. So, Chris, you have anything else you want to bring up? Um, not a whole lot. Uh, I got a my wife got me a dolphin shirt for my birthday, and she ordered it online. So they're sending her dolphin stuff in the mail, and I'm looking at it now. And apparently I can get exclusive Dolphins rewards and experiences with extrapointsrewards.com. And if I get enough, TD the mascot will appear at my office. And I just thought, that, man, that would be really awesome. Being that as I live in North Carolina, I think that would be even more. <laughs> be going to work one day and phone rings and, hey, can I help you? And all of a sudden TD just bounces in my office. That would be great. Um, I did see that a uh, some company, I don't know what it is, but – if for five thousand dollars you can have Ryan Tannehill show up to your uh, um, fantasy football draft, and then it's like seventy five hundred dollars he'll show up to your corporate event or ten thousand or something. It, it, there was all kinds of stuff, but yeah, apparently they're starting to try to get the players out. All these different companies. I don't know if it's the Dolphins per se, but the now, players' agencies and stuff. I understand that, and that sounds cool and all, but don't you think that would be kind of weird that, hey, Ryan Tannehill, come join our fantasy draft, and you won't get picked until maybe like the eighth or ninth yeah. round. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe somebody so, will take you, kinda... and by the way, just sit over there in the corner while we draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be <laughs> awkward. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would now, be interesting. Now, of course, that might change in the future. Hopefully that changes in the future. He'll be one of the you know, first, second round picks. Yep. Yeah, right now that would be, be a little awkward. He might he might have to go in the first round just because he's there. Um, with the last pick of the first round, I take that guy. <laughs> Guys, he's so sitting he's right there. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I try to draft, he just gives me an evil look. So I guess I gotta just go ahead and pick him already. <laughs> I'm gonna take Peyton. Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, uh, looks like Brad Keselowski is going to win the Sprint Cup this year, Chris, since I'm in the closing show with the final race this weekend down in Miami. Yeah, that's going to be good. I'm, I'm glad that the uh, I'm glad that the Dolphins are playing Thursday night because I'll actually get to watch the race. Yep. Um, and what's going to be really interesting about that is all of the, you know, Jeff Gordon and Clint Boyer and the it's going to be awesome. wreck that they had. And I'm just going to see how much carnage there is because there might be a lot. And I, I mean, Wait. I mean, I think it's um, I don't want to say destiny for Keselowski because I don't, you know, I'm not into all that. But you know, it was how many times in that race Sunday? Because I had to go back and watch that on DVR. Also, how many times in that race? I mean. When Gordon was wrecking people, not was going on, but he just scraped by and could have yep. finished a lot worse. So, yep. So it'll be interesting. I mean, it's not like Johnson's that far out that you He's know. He's not. I mean, it might be team, might be team orders for somebody just kind of tall. And 
turn left into into. And yeah, anything can happen still. I mean, Johnson got knocked out or took himself out, but ran into the wall early in this past race. So it wouldn't be hard for something to happen to Keselowski too. But yep, should be an interesting race. Um, and so for but, the rest, of, the rest of the fans, all, all three of the other NASCAR fans that are on the site, what racetrack <laughs> did you go race at this past weekend? Uh, it was Thunder Hill Raceway. It's just south of Austin, about an hour, hour and 45 minutes south of me. Uh, it's just a little three-eighths mile racetrack. Um, oh, it, was the, it was the Rusty Wallace race experience. So it was uh, – they had a – they had cup cars there, but we were actually racing the um, late model stock cars. So I mean, okay. it, it wasn't it wasn't the ARCA cars; it was the older NASCAR cars. But it was a ton of fun. Um, they're going to be up in Texas Motor Speedway in December. So James, I might be headed up your way. Um, All right. I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there looking at it like, hmm. Go to Texas, where it will be the cup cars, because it is a super speedway. So, hmm, I might have to do this. Oh. So, what was your top speed on the, on the three, what did you say, three quarters? Three eighths. Three eighths. Oh, my. What was your top speed? Um, a whole lot. They, they, said, they said that we would get up to 85, 90. Um, I think it averaged out to somewhere around 65 to 70. So, I mean, it wasn't super fast, but I got yeah, I got that car to I got that car to as fast as I could feel comfortable, knowing that I would have to slow down to go through the turns. So, I mean, I'd, I'd hammer it coming out of the turn and go as far down the back straightaway as I possibly could before I felt like okay, uh, I've got to slow down now because otherwise I'm going to slide right off this track, especially with no outside wall on the back stretch. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> but okay, so enough of our NASCAR talk, James. Do you have anything? No, sir. Oh, you don't want to. You don't want to talk uh, baseball NASCAR. or basketball. <laughs> not really, not right now. Any any lacrosse talking? You um something lacrosse? I know <laughs> nothing of lacrosse. <laughs> okay. Well, guys, uh, thank you, too, for being on here, Keith. Sorry that we lost you. Whoever is doing something in the background that's horrible. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) That was crazy loud. Um, But uh, thanks, guys, for both of you. Thanks, Keith, for calling in. Sorry we lost you. Um, Sorry, guys, I couldn't get Brian on here. Uh, I know he wanted to. We talked about it earlier this week. And unfortunately, I'm sure something just came up and he couldn't make it. Uh, guys in the live thread, thank you for participating. I think it was pretty much alpha most of the way through, but uh did have Daytona Dolphin and a few others in there. So thank you guys for participating. Uh, obviously, game tomorrow night. Um, we will do our normal game day coverage. We'll also have some of our normal Thursday coverage, so it'll be a little bit of everything going on tomorrow. And Friday, I'll be back with the Google Hangout, so come join us on that. Uh, I put up a post in on Facebook and got a, exactly zero votes on when I should move the time to. So right now, I'm going to keep it with the 8.30 Eastern time on the uh, Google Hangout, and we'll continue to try to figure out some other time to do it. 
So 8.30 th uh, Friday night, um, you'll be able to see me. I won't be able to see you, but you'll be able to see me, and we'll get that all figured out. So see you guys then. You guys, again, thanks, and everybody have a good night. Good night. Good night. Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic, featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Offer ends 8-16-18 after 131-2020. Pay $32 per month per line for five lines without a pay. One Hulu limited commercial plan for eligible Sprint account. MHS reduced to 3G speeds after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines. Subject to credit and three activation fee. Video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts check it out most of the time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like google meta and apple but some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person when you're working on your own i think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment you don't have to have permission from someone else there's no red tape in the vergecast series solo acts We'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.